I'm Georgie. And I'm Michaela. And we're here to tell you about the University of Aberdeen. In each episode, we will discuss frequently asked questions about topics such as applications, go abroad, student life, sports and societies, budgeting for uni, and life in Aberdeen. We will be speaking to current Aberdeen students, those who really know what it's like to study and live here. And we'll be getting exclusive tips from members of our amazing staff. Join us for this episode of Ask Aberdeen. For joining us today, uh, we will be discussing an important topic today, which is money and budgeting. This is something that you might be completely new to, um, as you haven't had to worry about money or bills or budgets before, or you might be an experienced bill payer who just really wants to know what to expect once you come to Aberdeen. So our goal today is to give you a little bit of an overview of the different types of expenses you should plan for, an approximate idea of how much things might cost, and also share some money-saving tips. I do want to issue a little disclaimer that we are recording this in July 2021, and of course, prices might change rapidly, so do take any figures that we mention with a grain of salt. As always, I am joined by a couple of fantastic guests. Hello, uh, my name is Vera. I recently graduated from my undergrad in anthropology and philosophy, and I'm originally from the Netherlands, so when I moved to Aberdeen, I was also very much new to everything and had to figure it all out. Hi, my name is Gemma Murdoch. I'm the lead student support advisor um, in our student advice and support team. My team focuses um, very heavily on advice for students on areas such as money and budgeting. And we also look after hardship and discretionary funding at the university. So we're here to support students who might fall into financial difficulty. I am a graduate of the university, having studied law here back in 2003 to 2007. And I entered as a new undergraduate with very little money skills um so you know this is the kind of information that i think i would have liked to have known when i started university as well yeah definitely i am the same um i came into university not really knowing what to expect and i didn't even know how to research how much i should budget for so this was something i was very much anxious about pretty much in the run-up to me moving to aberdeen so i'm hoping that if you are one of us as well that this will help you in the future and you will be able to sort of be able to plan a bit more in depth and you know just get get more used to the idea of how much things might cost so first thing that we will mention today just briefly is that you should always check what your own situation is with student loans we have a mix of different nationalities on the podcast today and each one of us will have had a completely different situation when it comes to loans or student grants or anything like that so if you're from england wales northern ireland scotland there will be a student funding agency um, local to you so have a look at them some of them might have grants some of them might have living costs loans um, if you are from further afield some countries like my country the czech republic have absolutely nothing um, some other countries do provide a loan but it might be different if you go abroad so best to check with your own country's government to see what might be available but that's definitely a place to start because that will also help you decide if you need to get a part-time job if it's feasible for you to just live off your student loan or you know if if you might need your parents to help you a little bit so Gemma while still talking about um, you know student loans where will these student loans go into what sort of bank accounts um, do students have available to them 
So on the market, there'll be lots of different um, bank accounts that students will be kind of faced with a lot of choice um, and a lot of availability. All of our students in Aberdeen will be able to open a student bank account at one of our local banks. Um, you might need to provide some evidence if you're not from the UK or haven't opened a bank account before. And you'll be able to get that from our university info hub. Um, so automatically you'll be able to download a letter that just confirms your student status to take to the bank um, to make that really straightforward. And there's quite a lot of bank accounts now that will allow you to open an account remotely, um, so online. Um, what we would always recommend is just to shop around, look at the different deals and services that are being offered by the banks um, and speak to you know the advisors within the banks as well about their different products and services. Um, it's just really important to know what you're signing up to before, before you open an account and to make sure that wherever possible you're opening a student bank account. They come with different benefits such as free overdrafts um, some of which will extend into the, the years past graduation. Often a year past graduation, you'll get um, a free overdraft. So it's just worth bearing in mind the different deals that are out there, the different services that are out there um, and really shop around. You know, Don't go with the first one that you go with and don't automatically assume that the bank that you're currently using is the one that will offer the best service for students. Um, we always just recommend you know, doing some, some research and finding out what's available. Um, and our, our kind of key piece of advice is to avoid avoid credit cards wherever possible if you're not going to be able to pay them off in full every month. Um, so obviously having a credit card can be really helpful and really beneficial for your credit score in the future but it's just being mindful that that, that, that money still needs to be paid back um, and you really have to consider your affordability when you're when you're looking at these kind of products and, and taking professional advice if you need it about what you know the best services are, are out there for you. I also found when I moved here one thing that was quite different from where I'm from is that your box standard current account tends to be free across all different well majority of banks will have just you know your standard account current account will be free and there's like free withdrawals and um all of that stuff so i found that actually it didn't really matter who i went with uh in the end but obviously as Gemma said it might be a good idea to look into different deals that you might get as a student with a student account uh, but yeah, I don't, I don't think they're really, you know, it's not a huge deal. You're not going to end up with a terrible, terrible bank or whatever if you just go with one of the main ones. Yeah, absolutely. Most of, most of them will offer a very similar service, but you will find that, you know, particularly around about September time, a lot of banks will maybe offer some perks, maybe a £50 cash back or a voucher um, or maybe a subscription service for free for a period of time um, just to, to entice customers in. So it's just it's just comparing all those deals that are available. Lots of websites will have comparisons now that you can you can check. Um, so it's just being mindful of that and, and taking a look around. I think there's also some banks, sorry, that offer like a free rail card or a coach card that can be very useful. So definitely look into that as well. Yeah, yeah, that's a good shout. Get whatever freebies you can while you're a student, that's for sure. Gemma, you were offering quite a lot of um, helpful advice. Is that what student support team do? Um, and can I come to you if I have even more questions about financial stuff or budgeting and that sort of stuff? What, what do you do? Yeah, absolutely. So um, we're not financial advisors. That's something we need to be really clear about. That's a regulated role within within the UK. Um, and that's only provided by you know trained professionals who can provide advice about products and services and debts and such. Um, but we would consider ourselves to be student money advisors. So we can provide tips and advice about the different things to look out for and the things to research 
information about budgeting, top tips. You just mentioned a great one there about looking for all the freebies that you can get. Um, we can provide guidance about the best websites to be looking at for money tips. Um, we can sit down with students and prepare a budget plan. We've got a really great knowledge of the UK student funding system, so SAS and Student Finance England, Northern Ireland and Wales, and can provide advice to students about making sure that they're getting what they're eligible for from these from these different um, providers. So ensuring that they're getting the bursaries that they're entitled to, for example, as well as their student loan. Um, we can help, as I say, with budget plans, sit down with a student, look at their spending, look at their planning and, and identify any problem areas or, or room for improvement. But overall, we're just really happy to talk and discuss questions and queries about money. Um, and as I said at the beginning, we manage the hardship and discretionary funds at the university. So one of our key goals is to ensure that we're providing advice and support to those students who might be having money worries or money issues. Um, we can provide immediate financial support, financial assistance to those who are in an emergency, things like food vouchers and shopping cards um, and you know, same day payments to bank accounts whenever necessary. So we're really just here for advice, support and, and guidance and, and some top tips as well. Yeah, so if this podcast doesn't answer all of your questions just remember that Gemma is here Gemma and her team are definitely here to help and we'll be able to answer any further questions if we just don't quite hit the spot with this episode today so let's launch into actually talking about what things might cost um so get your notepads ready if you are actually wanting to note down what we're saying here but I've got I've got a little note um, of all these different things and different areas that you might need to consider when you're thinking about you know planning your budget and that sort of thing obviously a huge one is where you live and how you live as in how you sustain yourself so talking about just housing and food um, what you probably will find is that it's quite easy to figure out how much halls cost because um, the university will have that all over the place and we will be always offering you our university accommodation as a standard. Um, Gemma, do you mind sort of giving us an overview of how much um, student accommodation might range around? Yeah, so as you mentioned, that will vary on, on year on year. Um, the university accommodation pages on the website will have the current year um, tariffs. So the cheapest accommodation will be accommodation that isn't on suite. So you've got a shared bathroom and shared cooking and living facilities. And then we'll range through to you know, facilities that have en suite and some catering available. So we would just recommend taking a look at the price points and, and thinking really about what it is that you're looking for in halls, whether you, you did want to have, you know, your own en suite and a, a slightly larger bed or whether you're looking for the more budget accommodation and, and shared cooking facilities with your flatmates. Um, the one thing that we would say is that the thing to consider in halls is that you're paying for your room and your flat but you're also paying for all of the services that you get in halls of residence all of the support from our resident assistance support from um, security and maintenance teams 24 hours a day um, lots of events and different things that will be happening on site at our halls of residence plus all of your bills are included so things like your wi-fi your heating um, your electricity you're not really going to have to think about anything on top of your halls payment whereas some private halls providers or private accommodation you'll have to consider more than just that rental price point um, 
so in terms of of getting a sort of easy first accommodation we would always recommend considering halls as a first choice just because it will make budgeting that little bit easier just knowing that that's exactly how much you're going to pay for accommodation for your year this obviously as we've said several times it might change but usually you would expect you can have a look at the current prices but i think 400 to 600 is what we usually offer and vera you actually don't live in halls and you know you've throughout your unique experience you lived in a privately rented flat with a few other people would you mind sharing how you found that financially yeah yeah of course so i mean I decided not to go into halls just because I had already lived on my own for a while before coming to uni and I felt like I just kind of needed my independence and I wanted to take care of things on my own. So um, the first flat I moved into in first year was £330 per month and that also included all bills but that's definitely something that you need to look into when you're going into private accommodation because that's not always the case but i make sure to verify all of that before moving in um yeah and that was pretty much it there wasn't really any other costs apart from you know things like your bedding duvets sometimes if you go into private accommodation maybe the kitchen isn't as well equipped as you would like it to be so you'd have to take that into account as well if you want to buy like a kettle or things like that but yeah i'd say between 300 and 400 is definitely feasible but again it depends on what your expectations are i definitely wasn't living in like a beautiful mansion or anything but it was <laughs> it was a flat and everything i needed was there yeah that's a good point about what you might have to buy to move into accommodation so we actually have released an episode already about accommodation and we spoke to kirsten from the accommodation team about um you know what you might need to have in halls so that is something that you need to keep in mind as well your first month is probably going to be a little bit more expensive than your further months but you can do it on the cheap i definitely did it on the cheap and then just upgraded throughout my uni years um once you know the pillow was just not really cutting it anymore so that is something to keep in mind and also as vera mentioned not every accommodation not every private flat will include bills and those can range you know during the summer it's all great and it's all cheap but once winter comes your bills are going to be through the roof if you are used to being in a quite warm environment and you're heating all the time um so it might be a bit of a learning curve um because you will discover that you are spending like 90 pounds a month um just on keeping your room warm um and you might discover that actually that is a bit too much for you but yeah, you will you sort of have to start being aware of these things like um if you want an internet connection that is really reliable and suitable for gaming you might need to upgrade your broadband which usually is around maybe 20 pounds a month uh nicer broadbands with like sky q sports whatever availability will be like 30 to 40 pounds so there's a lot there's a lot of choice um, but if you are going for a private flat just keep in mind that it might not be as cheap as the sticker price says because you need to keep in mind all those extra expenses that in halls you don't really have to worry about um, so with halls it's also a nice first year because you just know what you're going to be spending it's not going to vary month to month depending on whether it's really cold or really warm during the summer 
I think the other thing, Michaela, sorry to, to mention would be that a lot of the halls or the private student accommodation providers will have um, accommodation in locations that are usually quite close to the university. Um, so in terms of transport costs, etc., um, it might be a little bit less. So that's another thing just to consider is the location of any private flats um, and the time and energy and, and money that it might take to, to actually travel. Um, so just something to bear in mind as well. And also just to highlight that our Students Association um, for years and years now have had listings of um, private flats and student flats that have been vetted and verified by the Students Association as genuine listed on their website, as well as really handy guides and tips for looking for accommodation. And I think it's just always with my student support hat on, just thinking about safety whenever looking for accommodation and just being mindful of looking to ensure that listings and so on are all from verified and reliable sources um, and not necessarily through you know sites like Gumtree etc um, so looking at letting agents that are you know established companies or private landlords that the university or students association know of yeah totally um, and still speaking about the sort of basics that you need to survive your um, life, your uni life here, food. Um, so Vera, can you give us an idea of how much you spend per week on like your, your food shop? Yeah, definitely. I think nowadays I'd say about £25 when I'm trying to be careful with my budget. Of course, if I'm like having a barbecue with friends or going out then it might differ, but when I'm actually trying to keep track of my budget, I'd say about £25. I do shop at like budget supermarkets like Little and Aldi. And do you find that it's uh, cheaper for you to buy um, just the ingredients and make your own, or do you buy a lot of, lot of ready meals? Oh no, I cook everything myself, but that's also because I have an interesting diet, I'm vegan, so it's a bit difficult for me to buy ready meals in general, and I just really enjoy cooking. I do feel like it is cheaper if you know how to cook and if you know what ingredients to use and where to get the cheap ones, but if you really don't want to do that or you don't know how to budget that, then it might be more beneficial to buy some more ready meals, but that's just something that I really don't enjoy doing, so it's not just because of the budget. Yeah, Gemma, I don't know about you, but I did not know how to cook at all when I moved into unit accommodation. So, you know, um, I definitely did survive off ready meals for a while until I started feeling comfortable with just keeping myself alive, keeping myself sustained. And then I started exploring what might be my cooking uh, style and what works with my schedule as well so ready meals are definitely a bit more expensive but they're not as expensive as if you were ordering delivery uh, takeout every single night so there's definitely a balance to be struck if you are just so busy that you cannot find the time to cook absolutely do look at um, the ready meal sort of pre pre-prepared food section but also be aware that it's going to ride up your uh, costs a little bit. Um, and also Hillhead actually does provide our student accommodation at Hillhead. Actually, they do have cooking classes for people who are beginners and don't actually know how to cook, uh, which will be definitely helpful. And I think they have like specialist like budget cooking classes. They, I think they even had like meat free cooking classes for those of us who don't consume animals. Um, so you can definitely join those and come along and see because uh, there's 2,000 people who live in Hillhead. 
and I can guarantee about half of them have never cooked anything but beans on toast before. So um, it's definitely helpful and you won't be the only one. I think like everyone, just first few weeks, you're just really finding out how difficult everything is <laughs> and uh, how uh, how many different ingredients you need for everything that you didn't think about. So I think those cooking classes are definitely a lifesaver. Yeah, one thing that we would always recommend is once you've settled into your flat is is having a chat amongst yourselves, you know, the people that you're sharing with, because the chances are, as you say, there's going to be some recipes, you know, not everyone's going to need fresh basil and not everyone's going to need a pot of oregano. Um, so the reality is that you should probably have a chat with your flatmates and maybe go and get a store cupboard shop together so all put some money together and get these sort of basics herbs and spices and tinned tomatoes and this the kind of things that you will all probably be using regularly um so as to not waste money on getting these sorts of things that you won't all use up in the period of time that you're living in the accommodation and then the other thing would be to consider you know you mentioned there that not everyone will be able to cook but i would imagine most people will have one dish that they can rustle up whether that's a spaghetti bolognese or you know a pasta dish um or you know pasta Possibly something a little bit more exotic even if it is beans on toast and, and maybe sitting and making a meal plan with your flatmates and suggesting well do you know what this week I'll cook you know linguine for everyone on Monday if you're going to try and, and cook something we had a flatmate in, in first year who was from Singapore and she used to cook up some wonderful meals for us um, and then one of my flatmates was from Wales and did Welsh rarebit and a few other great things that she was used to having and it was a really lovely experience actually because we were able to share the costs of cooking and share the, the efforts of cooking but also we're able to kind of learn from each other and teach one another about the kinds of things that we were used to eating um, and hopefully that just builds a level of confidence as well but as you say the SRA is on hand running cooking classes at Hillhead and they do some online some in person um so there's lots of really great advice and support there for people who maybe just don't have the confidence in those skills but we would always recommend that wherever possible to be you know shopping around looking for deals um and you know not sticking to just one supermarket as well I think it can be really convenient to go to one supermarket and do all of your shopping but if you can shop around you're probably more likely to get better deals and some cheaper things um and the other thing to to really be mindful of is making a list before you go and don't go when you're hungry because that's the worst thing that you can do you'll end up buying lots of food that you really don't need um so yeah don't go when you're hungry make a list and even shopping online is great particularly if you're buying lots of heavy things and you don't have access to a car and clubbing together with your flatmates or even the people in the other flats that are nearby because if you're all wanting to get you know as you mentioned there beans on toast a, t a 10 pack of beans that's going to be really heavy to come back from the supermarket so if you all club together and get an online delivery you can get slots for free or even 50 pence at unusual times of the day which are usually very common with our students anyway um so it's just thinking about these things and I think really working together I think that community environment that you get in student accommodation or even in private flats where there's lots of students you can really benefit from that as a student considering your money circumstances um, because grouping together can often be cheaper than trying to buy lots of things individually. And batch cooking is another great thing. If you've got the freezer space or the fridge space to do it is, is spending a little bit of time one afternoon cooking up a few batches and then effectively you've got your ready meals ready to go in the microwave when you need them. But you've cooked them from scratch. You know where they come from and they probably cost a fraction of the, the price of a ready meal that's come from the supermarket. Yeah, absolutely. And now moving on to what you might eat while you're actually on campus in between lectures. Vera, what did you do for those um, times? 
I would just always bring like a packed lunch or, or even just a snack. I back in the days when we still had lectures on campus. Um, I think in, in first year I did have a couple of days where I had quite a few hours. Um, so I would have to bring some food, but that was only like once or twice a week. I didn't have like very packed days. Well, not very often. So I could often just even go home to have food as well. Um, so yeah, I think if you want to stick to a tight budget, definitely just bring something, even if it's just um, a sandwich or some leftovers from the night before. Um, there used to be microwaves at the hub. I don't think they're in use now because of the pandemic, but I'm assuming that that will all start up again um, once we actually get to go back to campus. So that is always great to use. Um, and of course you can actually buy food at the hub as well, but that does tend to be a little bit more expensive than just bringing your own. Yeah, I do find it to be a little bit more of a treat um, to go to the hub and get your, you know, five pound meal, for example, your five pound lunch. There are some deals that you can get. There's a subway, you know, there's a meal deal um, in our little hub shop. Um, and there's also Starbucks on campus and different um, independent outlets. But I did prefer to treat it as a treat rather than as a daily occurrence because you could spend just like 30 pounds just for your lunches if you did that you know quite frequently and if you also then treated yourself to a coffee 30 pounds a week on just sort of treat me um treat myself meals is not ideal because as you said you yourself spend like 25 pounds per week on your shopping for the week so it just does add up so it's i think it's good to keep track of if you're spending a lot of money on coffee just add it up and see how much you're actually spending it uh, in total and i know that it's such a social experience you know you will want to go with your friends to a coffee shop and that's perfectly fine but just i guess be aware of the costs and don't go with your friends you know four or five times a week for a starbucks which costs you five pounds each time you know like i still was social i just was sort of aware that you know I was spending a little bit more this week so maybe next week I was going to cut down on the baguettes from Kilo on campus um, because I had already spent quite a lot. Yeah one thing I would say as well as you mentioned there like the five pound meal deal in the students union building food outlets and it's to bear in mind as well that you might choose to do that for your lunch and then just have a snack for your, your meal later in the day so although maybe it sounds like a lot of money for lunch if that's your main meal of the day actually it might be cheaper than your ready meal or your takeaway later at night so it's it's maybe just thinking about things creatively and as you say you know budgeting for these treats or these sort of eating out occurrences but doing it in the way that's going to be the most valuable for you so actually you might decide that eating out for your lunch with your friends on campus and getting a hot meal you know the portions are really big on campus that's one thing I would say is that they are main meals um but then you'll save later if you are just having a snack um, and it saves you having to cook later on in the day so there's there's things to consider there but I totally agree I think it's just being mindful of that and, and taking the time to reflect at the end of each month how much you've spent on each individual element of your budget and then either making changes to your budget or making changes to your lifestyle to reflect what's possible with the money that you have available to you. And while we're still talking about sort of being on campus um 
a lot of students worry about how much they might have to spend on course books and course books tend to be quite expensive you know if you're buying a new one you're looking at 30 40 pounds but Vera is that what you did did you actually buy every single course book you had to use no not at all I, I did buy a couple of books just because I wanted to have them because it felt nice to have them on my shelf really um, but you definitely don't have to almost everything is available in the library and all the books that I did buy were all second hand so they were fairly cheap um, yeah, I don't think I ever spent more than maybe £50 per academic year on books. And again, that was really just because I thought it'd be nice to keep those books. I studied philosophy and I felt like a lot of those books are just books that you kind of want to have on your shelf and you'll look through again at some point. But if it's really just, I don't know, a calculus book or something that you don't really feel like you'd ever use again, then you can always just go to the library or buy a really old, like, second-hand version even though it doesn't look very nice if it will do the job then you definitely don't have to spend a lot of money on that and I think nowadays a lot is available online as well um, for many courses lecturers will just upload pdfs um, of articles that you need to read so of course it does depend on your degree but for I think most of the social sciences things like that you definitely don't have to buy a lot of books yeah, I think it's it's useful that you've mentioned there, Vera, that it'll be different for different degrees. As I mentioned at the beginning, I studied a law degree and for some of our exams, we needed to take a statute book in with us to the exam. So we needed our own copies um, of those. So it's just, it's worth looking at your course handouts, trying to work out what the purpose of having the book is, whether you're going to need it to reference in exams, whether you're going to need the most up-to-date version, because obviously new versions are released of books very regularly in some areas. Um, and you Usually online there'll be a list of what's actually changed in the new version of the book and you might be able to make reference to that and, and have an older copy of the book that you've managed to pick up second hand but having reference to the changes that might have occurred um, and I suppose that's possibly only relevant in areas like law where things do change quite regularly um, but as you say there's lots of different outlets to buy second hand books and usually um, I mean all the main course texts will absolutely be available in the library some of them might be on heavy demand which for anyone who's new to university just means that you can't keep them for weeks and weeks and weeks you might only get a small period of time um, to take them out but that's usually long enough to to read or to look over the section that that is of interest and these days you know it's becoming more and more common that texts will be available online um so in in so many respects it's not always going to be relevant to have all of the course books or to purchase them all if, if you don't want to but it's just worth having a discussion with your your school or your lecturers about what books you will need and how you can most appropriately source those. I can say in my last two years, I purchased exactly zero books uh, for the courses that I was on. I just did everything in the library. You know, I just went in for an afternoon and did my reading. I was just not going to... It was a sort of a personal challenge. I just did not want to buy any books um, those two years because when you also move between flats every couple of years or every year, you know, you just start realizing that then you have to lug all those books to your next accommodation next year. But yeah, it's def definitely absolutely possible. And the books that you do buy secondhand, you still can sell, sell secondhand and get pretty much what you paid back for it um, the next year. So because most of the courses will just keep reusing the same course books. Um, and also another thing you might need for studying would be a laptop or a computer. Vera, did you have a brand spanking new laptop for your university journey? 
No, I did end up getting one halfway through second year, I think. But when I came here, I had, like a, I think, a three or four kilo laptop that I had all throughout my uh, secondary school time as well. I was definitely not going to carry that anywhere. I don't think it could handle it. And my back couldn't handle that either. So if I ever needed a, a computer on campus, I would just use the ones at the library, which is pretty much where I wrote like, all my essays and all of my coursework. I did have that laptop to, to use at home if I still needed to like look over something or edit something, but it was very, very slow and just not very useful in general, but I was I did just fine. Um, so yeah, if, if you don't have the budget for that, it's definitely not necessary. Um, it can definitely be be useful, but there are plenty of resources on, on campus. Yeah, as we well. have like actual computer rooms. There's on in the library at the first floor is full of computers that you can just come and sit down and log into. There are also um, a lot of different smaller computer rooms across the different buildings on campus. So you can pretty much just go anytime and use the computer there. I also did not carry my laptop to lectures because it would just you wouldn't be able to hear the lecture over the fan on the laptop. Um, so I just took notes manually and then when I came home, if I needed to study, you know, I would use the laptop, but I did use it very sparingly. So you do not need a brand new, you know, powerful laptop. Um, so don't worry about that. But Gemma, would you mind telling us, I believe for some students who might be from um, sort of uh, more difficult backgrounds, there might be grants and similar support um, to help them purchase stuff, technology. Yeah, so um, a laptop would be considered to be a sort of essential piece of equipment these days um, for you know, being a student at the university. And for students on a student loan, there's often a, a larger first payment at the beginning of your studies or the beginning of each year of study. And um, the purchase of a student loan is sort of considered to be one of those essential things that you will do in those first weeks of, of university if you don't already have one. But for students for whom that might prove too costly, there may be bursaries running um, run by you know the the student recruitment and admissions team through our access and articulation side of things there might be widening access bursaries for students from lower income backgrounds care experienced students students who are carers for example um so in recent years we have been able to provide um a, a small bursary award to students to be able to purchase equipment before they begin their studies but for those students who are studying with us current students of the university if they are uk funded um there is discretionary funding available which you know th that would be considered an essential item to have so if a student is unable to purchase that and is able to demonstrate financial hardship or if their laptop was to break or, or stop working during their studies then we may be able to assist with some hardship funding for that as well. Also Gemma I, I think you might know more about this but I believe there's also um, like loan laptops available for students with learning disabilities who might really need them for their classes. Um, so disabled students will be able to discuss with the disability advisor whether they are able or eligible to apply for disabled students allowance. So UK funded students can apply for disabled students allowance to um, receive equipment and software that they require um, because of their disability for studies. Um, there are some loan equipment available through our assistive technology team for students who aren't eligible for DSA. And there are often schemes running through the Scottish government for digital poverty purposes so loan equipment that's available um, but it really depends on on what is happening in any given year 
And let's talk some more about what student life and what is essential to student life, um, which is socializing. And, you know, that often happens through societies and sports clubs and something that people, you know, people are excited about societies and sports clubs and they're thinking about how many they're going to join. But then they might be worried about how much it is actually going to cost because everyone assumes that it's going to be super expensive to do all these fun things. Vera, do you have much experience with societies and would you mind giving us sort of an idea of what expenses might be involved with um, membership of a society? Yeah, definitely. Well, I think, first of all, societies and sports clubs are great value for money because most of the events they organize would be so much more expensive if you were to do those things on your own or if you were to organize it elsewhere. Um, so yeah, it might be a little bit costly because you want to join them all at the start of the semester, so you'd have to pay all of those fees in one go, but it's definitely going to be a lot cheaper than doing those things elsewhere. You get so much out of it. Um, I, I joined a lot of societies in first year. I didn't attend all of the events, so it was a little bit too ambitious, um, but I was a member of the Philosophy Society. I joined yoga as well. I've been on the committee of the surf club and of the anthropology society. Um, and I think for many of the kind of degree related societies, you really don't pay a lot like those memberships are between like three and five pounds for a full year. And you get to attend loads of kind of social events, but also academic events like talks on topics related to your degree sometimes even like little field trips that might cost a little bit extra but again always great value for money um sports clubs can be a little bit more expensive especially if you need some equipment but often they provide that equipment as well for example for the surf club we always have everything you might need and that would be very expensive like you would spend hundreds of pounds on buying that on your own whereas the membership is only um, 45 pounds per year. So it's definitely a lot cheaper than doing those things just by yourself. Same for yoga, I don't, I don't remember the exact price, but I think it was like 20, 25 pounds per semester. If you were to take like just individual yoga classes at a yoga school, that would be so much more expensive. So yeah, no, I think it's, it's great. And it's also just a great way to meet new people, to socialize, to, to get to know the city a little bit better. Um, things like that and it's definitely not too expensive yeah and you mentioned these events that the societies and sports clubs hold as well a lot of the time you don't actually need to be a member of the society to go to for example like a geography society talk and they have like member prices and non-member prices so you do you do not have to join every single society that sounds interesting to get access to their events for example cheese and wine society i did not join it but i did go to a lot of their events and you just pay you know like a fiver to get in the door and to cover the cheese the the copious amount of cheese that you will eat during that event um, and sports clubs as well a lot of the time because they are based at our sports village Aberdeen sports village which is just across the road from our main campus it is a gym it is a big football field it's got everything it's got the pool uh, you know um, exercise equipment all of that if you are a member of a sports club that uses those facilities, you will actually get very good price um, to be able to access those. So um, that is actually something that we can mention as well. Gym prices. Do you go to the gym, Vera? 
Yeah, I still have a, a student membership, which is the off-peak membership. So that's any time before 4 p.m., which costs £16 per month, which is an amazing deal. Like if you go four or five times a month, then that's already worth it. So, yeah. I, I am a member of a, a different, a private gym um, because I am too lazy to go all the way to campus. But yeah, that's about £25 a month. So £16 a month for access to all those facilities is absolutely amazing value. Um, and as a student, that's actually half the price of what a normal member of the public would pay. So definitely take advantage of that. And there are two different pools. There's a sauna. You know, it's not just about the gym. There are Zumba classes. There are kickboxing classes. So definitely look into that if you are someone who likes to keep fit in a very controlled environment without the weather affecting your activities. Yeah, one thing I would say as well is you mentioned there via the off-peak. Um, you know, students have got the benefit of flexibility a lot of the time. So, you know, the reality is that the working world for a lot of people will involve standard working hours of kind of nine to five or eight to four with a little bit of flexibility built in. Um, so actually, you know, in the future, it may be that you will only have to be able to benefit from the peak memberships. So really great time while you're a student when you've got maybe a bit of free time in the day to benefit from these off-peak cheaper memberships and use the gym at quieter times when it isn't you know really busy from all these people that are off the, uh, the rat race and, and into the gym in the evening. Um, the one thing as well that we would say in terms of the gym is just looking at the pay-as-you-gym options as well. You know, if you're not going to be using the gym as much as you might benefit from a monthly membership a lot of private gyms do offer kind of pay-as-you-go service um and the other thing to consider as well is that there's lots of free exercise classes run by the sport and exercise team at the university at you know hillhead for example they do free exercise classes a couple of times a week um when permitted and the great outdoors you know we live in scotland there's lots of really fantastic opportunities to exercise without having to pay um lots of great walking and running and water sports and and different kind of things that you can do in Aberdeen and in the local area that don't cost any money um, particularly if you get a few people together that can be just as fun as, as going to the gym um, and also online you know there's lots of great online tutorials yoga classes and things that you can follow online that don't cost anything um, you know even on YouTube there's 30 day yoga classes for beginners and, and these sorts of things so it's just bearing in mind that if, if that was out with your price point or it didn't feel that it was a, a price you could justify there's things that you can do to keep fit and, and enjoy that socially without paying for sure and i also really recommend cycling if that's something that you're comfortable with i think in definitely first and second year i would always cycle to campus and then cycle to work so altogether i'd be on my bike for like an hour every day so i kind of write that off as my exercise hours and i would also save a lot of money on the bus so that was a win-win situation really i'd get free exercise and free transport yeah and actually now that you bring up the buses do you actually need to use the bus at all or is walking or cycling a sustainable alternative i never use the bus i just hate buses in general i won't walk or cycle everywhere but i do also think that that depends a little bit on where you live like for example if you live in hillhead and you do want to go into town a lot then it might be useful to take the bus every now and then or you can bike, but I think cycling in Aberdeen is something that you need to be like confident with. If you've never been on a bike before, then I don't recommend just going out into town. But if that's something that you're used to and you've, you've been cycling all your life, 
or you want to get into it but slowly <laughs> then then that's definitely something i recommend but definitely make sure that you're confident with that yeah i would say aberdeen city center and this isn't taking into account the kind of larger residential areas and suburbs is relatively small and quite flat um so it is actually a great city for walking um or running and as you say cycling is something that is definitely an option but it's just being mindful of safety and security and that side of things um particularly if you're not an experienced cyclist um but definitely it's it's a city that you can easily you know take advantage of active travel options you don't have to pay to travel around the city but you know one great thing the Scottish government are, are really focusing on bus travel free for for under 22s moving forward and I think that will hope will hopefully mean that our students in future years will be able to benefit from from free bus travel which is fantastic um so if you did want to you know our, our weather isn't always reliable and you wanted to hop on the bus there's lots of local routes and we do run a bus service um between hillhead and campus and our forester hill campus free of charge during term time as well um so you know notwithstanding any free offers from the scottish government for students that's still something that that we can do um so i think it's just being mindful of the different options that are available but certainly that you don't have to pay to travel around Aberdeen as a city. It isn't is isn't too big or inaccessible that that you will always have to pay to travel. Yeah, absolutely. I worked in the centre during my first year when I lived in Hillhead, and like you mentioned, Vera, it's a little bit further away. Um, I would say, well, I speed walked and I did it in about four to five minutes, but I also did cycle sometimes, and. I moved into Aberdeen without a bike because I moved to Aberdeen with just one suitcase, so obviously no space for a bike. And I wondered, you know, how can I, where can I get a bike? And I actually found there's this amazing society on campus. They're called B Cycle, and um, they run schemes where you can pretty much like rent um, a bike from them for the academic year. You put down a deposit they give you or you get like a bike and the bike might need some repairs. You might need to do a little bit of work to get it roadworthy, but then, you know, you just upkeep it throughout the year. You return it at the end of your academic year, you get your deposit back. So you pretty much get a free bike just for, you know, a price that or money that you put down at the beginning of the year. And they're always hanging out together, you know, every, I think like Tuesday and Saturday, they just have like drop-in clinic sort of thing. So even if you do have your own bike and anything happens to it, you can take it to those guys there. And they're really helpful. They know a lot about bikes. And it's just students who are passionate about sustainability and, you know, sort of fixing things rather than buying a brand new bike. Um, you know, they get donated bikes from anyone and they just take care of them. And that's something that you can do. Um, if you want to cycle around. But as we said, you don't have to cycle. Walking is perfectly sustainable. And something that also um, some people ask about is whether you actually need a car to do things during the weekends. You know, do you, do you, if, if you want to visit um, the beautiful nature that we've got around us, do you need a car to get everywhere? Vera, do you have experience with going um, on little trips away from Aberdeen? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I love the great outdoors. I love traveling. So I, I try to get out as much as I can. Of course, during term time, it does get a little bit busy sometimes, but there's definitely loads of options um, that are like very reachable by public transport. It does always take a bit longer than driving. So if you do have a friend with a car, it might be nice to like organize a trip, but it's definitely not necessary. Also, 
societies sometimes organize trips um there's lots of like hiking societies things like that even just like with the anthropology society we've organized kind of field trips so definitely use those and then they will organize the transport and you definitely get to join that for a very small price um cycling again <laughs> i cycled to to Bankery the other day that was really nice um so it's definitely plenty of routes that you can take just walking cycling taking the bus out to Geneva Stonehaven even a bit farther into the Cairn rooms yeah if you just want to have like a, a day trip or a weekend away there's definitely plenty of options that you don't need to drive for I also want to mention um, something that I discovered quite recently. There are these car clubs, um, which are like a cooperative sort of club where you join and you just can hire a car for, like it's hiring a car, but it's way cheaper and you can get a car for like half an hour. Um, usually I think it starts for like five pounds an hour, so very reasonable and they're stationed all over the city centre and I know they're in other cities across the UK as well. So actually if you're someone who likes to drive but doesn't have their own car, just look up, you know, like car sharing clubs near you and that will give you the opportunity to get a car for an afternoon and go out into the Cairngorms, you know, come back, leave the car in its bay and that's you done. You don't have to maintain it. Um, a very, very much reasonable and budget-friendly version of, you know, being a car owner, I think. So something to also have a look at if you are um, a licensed driver. But talking about going out and socializing over the weekend, uh, what other things did you do, Vera, when you were a student during the weekends that you might need to sort of keep in mind and budget for? Honestly, I think over the weekend I mainly worked <laughs> because I think a lot of societies organize their events during the week, not necessarily over the weekend. Um, but of course, things like just well going out for a day or just during the night, maybe going to the movies. Um, but it can all be done on a rather tight budget. I think if you want to just go on a night out, 20, 25 pounds should be enough if you are able to kind of stick to a budget while you're out but what I would always do is just kind of take out the amount of cash that I would want to spend on a night and then not bring any debit or credit cards just to make sure that I wouldn't spend more than I planned on. Yeah I think that's a really great tip. Um, I think from my perspective entertainment and socializing can cost as much or as little really as you want it to it can be really easy to get carried away particularly at the beginning of term when there's lots of different things happening and you kind of want to be part of all the different things that are going on um but it's just a, a case of being mindful and setting a budget um and considering where there might be deals for things like two for one at the cinema on certain days of the week vouchers for eating out you know if you have a, a a loyalty card with one of the supermarkets for example you can trade that in for vouchers to eat out at restaurants or to go to the cinema and I think one really key piece of advice which I would give um, which I wish someone had given me and you know it's easy for me to say now in my advanced years in comparison to students but I think it's worth saying that missing a social event will not mean that you're not part of a social group or that you're not part of the crowd and I would always encourage students to just be open with one another about their financial circumstances and how much money they have because 
it can be really easy for the person with the kind of the biggest budget to get carried away and lead the way in terms of making plans or suggesting things to do. And unless people speak up and say, do you know what, that costs a little bit too much for me, then actually you could end up getting carried away and spending money to, to try and keep in with your friends when the reality is that real friends will want to spend time with you regardless of how much it costs or what it is that you're doing. Um, so I think it's always good getting together with your friends and coming up with a list of ideas of fun things to do. There's lots of great things to do in the city, like the art gallery, the museums, the parks and gardens. We've got a lovely beach, lots of outside space. Um, a trip to the coffee shop isn't going to cost a fortune if, if you budget that in. Um, so I think it's it's just being honest speaking to your friends and and coming up with a plan for the types of things that you can all afford to do and enjoy and not being too worried about missing out if you don't go on every single night out um and the the reality is and i know this from experience you will enjoy social events a lot more if you know that they're within your budget and you can afford to go out and, and do them than if you're sort of joining in and, and don't have the money or you're concerned about how much money is in your bank account or whether you're going to be able to afford to buy a round of drinks for for your friends um so it's just it's not getting carried away and and being open and honest with your friends and just budgeting for these things to enjoy them as much as you possibly can yeah, I can say from a personal experience, loads of my friends were not exactly good with money and every, you know, by the end of the month or by the time, you know, it got closer to when they were getting their uh, student loan paid in, they would just say like, oh, I'm, I'm really broke right now, I can't go out um, that night and we would just be like, okay, do you want to just, you know, hang out? Like, do you just want to watch a movie, you know, at my flat because I've got a bigger TV, you know, so it was never like, if they said they didn't have the cash that weekend, we were never just like abandoning them behind and just never speaking to them again. We just adjusted our plans because at some point, every single one of us said, I don't have the money right now because I'm going on a trip to Berlin next weekend. So I, I'm just saving up for that. And that's absolutely normal as a student and even beyond, obviously it's perfectly fine. And if you even want to, you know, tell people like, oh, that's, can we just, can we not go to that restaurant because it's quite expensive? Like, can we instead go to this one? Like, people are fine with that. Yeah, I also find that oftentimes people would actually really appreciate, for example, me offering a more budget option because they weren't very good at, as you said, like at sticking to a budget. So if I would say, oh, why don't we just have dinner at mine instead of going to a restaurant or like or organize some kind of flat party instead of going out, watching a movie, they, everyone would actually be like, oh, you know, that's a really good idea because I actually don't have a lot of money, but they wouldn't want to say it or they wouldn't even like think about it as much as you might have so i think in the end people might actually really appreciate it if you come up with more budget options they definitely won't be like oh you're well in that case like you you're just not coming and we won't be friends anymore like that's not gonna happen i think in general people will actually yeah really value that because it's going to save them money as well and i think loads of students are on a tight budget so yeah, yeah absolutely and speaking about tight budgets a lot of people will have jobs you know, a lot of students do get some student loan, but it might not even cover their accommodation. As I said before, I didn't get absolutely anything from my government. Um, some other people might just want extra spending cash for, you know, those nights out and that sort of stuff to pad their, um, the, their lifestyle. Vera, you have had a job pretty much throughout your uh, degree, is that right? 
Yeah, yeah, that's correct. Um, I did. I worked quite a lot, like in the months leading up to my degree. So just over summer, back home. So I did have a little bit of like an emergency fund because I didn't know how easy it was going to be finding a job here, and that turned out to be quite useful because it did take me a couple of months. I think I I started working. In November of my first year, and I found a job just through um, my flatmates. I worked in a restaurant um, during my first year, and then I had a, a summer job abroad over summer. And then when I came back, I started working for um, a tuition center, and I still work there. And that has always worked out just fine. Actually, thought it was also really nice to have something to do outside of uni and get to meet some people. Who aren't students, or at least not at the University of Aberdeen, to kind of get out of that student bubble a little bit as well. Um, and I mean, of course, it's it's great to be able to make a little bit of money. And also, if you're working like in a restaurant or in the evening, you're making money instead of spending it that night. So that also really helps. Um, but yeah, I, I always really enjoyed it actually, and it's definitely feasible to to work just a part time job.、Um, Next year degree. Yeah, and there's loads of different industries that you, as a student, would really be welcomed in.、Uh, loads of, you know, managers of different stores and that sort of stuff actually are looking specifically for students because if you are working. Um, you know, full time. You probably don't want to work evenings and weekends, while students want to work evenings and weekends. So obviously, retail,、um, hospitality.、Uh, there are also care jobs. So if so, that's something that you're actually interested in as a career,、um, as in going into healthcare. Caring job on the side might be absolutely fantastic,、um, but there's just so many different types of jobs, and some of them offer a contract as little as I've seen four hours at a clothing store, which was literally just four hours on Saturday morning. Some offer, you know, I think about ten, twelve, sixteen hours. I would say personally, sixteen hours, which is two full days, was about right for me because that meant that I could work. Um, you know, like Thursday evening and a Saturday day, and then Sunday I had one full day completely off.、Um, but that's something also that you should probably have a think about. Depending on your degree, obviously, if you're doing medicine, like you're gonna be quite busy during the week and during the, your evenings, so it might be a bit bit different. But if you're doing a degree that is a bit more about studying in your own time, like. Humanities, you might be able to organize your own study time better, and therefore you can also organize when you work.、Um, and a lot of people that I worked with did just like three, four-hour shifts. So literally, they would do one shift in the morning before they went to a lecture, or the other way around.、Um, and there's just a lot of flexibility. A lot of the times, students also are ex- well. It's almost expected that students are going to go away for the summer, and that's usually. When the quiet periods are as well for at least the industry I was in, so you know so managers would be very much open to working with you, giving you time off for your exams and studying, and working with you on your schedule. Yeah, I mean, I think we would always recommend that sixteen hours would be around about the the kind of maximum that a full time undergraduate could undertake. Um, but it will depend on the degree program. The one thing I would say is that you are unlikely to get your timetable until. 
you start your studies or at least the week before studies begin. Um, so a lot of students do contact us over the summer, either before they start their studies with us in, in Aberdeen or before their next degree programme, um, their next year of their degree programme begins. And just due to course selection and that side of things, it's not always possible to get a published timetable. Um, so what we would always recommend is that a student before they come to Aberdeen has enough money to kind of tie them over for the first month or two um, over and above their student loan or any money that they've got coming in just because it isn't always going to be possible to get a job straight away that's going to fit around the timetable that you have and you mentioned their weekend working they're always the most popular jobs for students so actually they can be harder to come by and it's often the daytime slots and the evenings that that you'll find you can then fit around once you have your timetable. Um, a lot of degree programmes, as I say, there's a the flexibility there to work, but some programmes will reach a point where there's placements required, um, industrial placements or placements in schools, if you're doing teaching or, or medicine. And we would always just encourage students to speak to student support if they are used to sustaining themselves on part-time income and have found themselves in a, in a period of their degree study where they're not able to do that to the same extent as they would usually because there may be hardship funding that can help fill the gap a little bit and also if a student has a job and it's unexpectedly lost come and speak to support services because that's an unexpected thing that we can really help with um, and just be mindful that the students association and careers have got careers databases recommending jobs that are with employers that really want to work with students and we've highlighted already that it can be great for your career track great for experience but it's just it's just being mindful of not letting it overtake and I think the other thing to highlight as well is that for any students who are with us on a visa there will be requirements that you need to fulfill as part of your visa um, so it's really important that you check the terms that are written on your visa or your BRP letter to confirm how many hours you are allowed to work um, while stud studying with us and be mindful as well that some voluntary work can be included in those hours so it's just always speaking to the people that you're working with whether it's paid or not to ensure sure whether or not those hours count towards your hours under your visa um, but usually the terms of visas the amount of hours that they recommend as the maximum is is more than we would recommend in terms of, of fitting studies around work anyway but it's just you know it's just to highlight that that is something to be aware of um, but yeah well I mean working part-time is a great way to get money and it's a great way to meet new people and get experience for for your CV and, and the future um, but it's just remembering that first and foremost your studies will will be the thing that are your priority. And I think also if you do find it difficult to work aside your degree do keep in mind that you've got like three to four months off every summer so you can make the most of that if you work full-time throughout the summer you can save up quite a lot and that will go a long way during your academic year if you don't get the time to work while you're studying. Yeah and I want to just calm down everyone who's thinking you know it's going to be a lot of money I don't know if I can afford to come to Aberdeen. I did not as I've said multiple times throughout this podcast I did not get any loans I did not get any parental support I worked 16 hours a week um, and then during summer I worked more and I was perfectly fine. I still went on holidays. So during the summer, when I could pick up overtime, you know, I did. And that was going towards my sort of fun money, my um, going to China for two weeks money. Um, and whenever I worked during the term time, that was sort of going towards my rent and my food and all of that. So 
you know, it's perfectly possible to do this without any support. And as Gemma said as well, like if you do need any help, um, if you're really struggling or you suddenly find yourself um, without um, a source of money that you had before throughout your degree, you can talk to them. They can help you, advise you, you know, where you could cut down, uh, what you could do differently in any way. So absolutely don't, don't be afraid of, you know, the expense because the minimum wage in the UK is actually actual, you know, decent minimum wage um, and it, you can sustain yourself on it. Okay, so I think we've come to um, sort of a full circle of talking about everything possible that it, there is about budgeting and studying and living um, at uni um, and in Aberdeen specifically. So I hope that this was quite a, a comprehensive overview. Um, well, I mean, I, it did take a while, but we, you know, we got here, we've spoken about everything possible. So I would just like to sort of close it off with um, some, if you guys have any main tips of what you would recommend Vera from your own experience of recently being a student and Gemma, what you might come across from students, you know, and what you'd advise to students, what would, you, what would be your parting words? I think for me, like my main top tip is to just keep track of your expenses. Like you can be great at budgeting, but then maybe one day you go out and you just spend 50 quid in one go or like you said like you might just get a coffee every day and think oh it's just two quid you don't really realize that that adds up to quite a significant amount so if you are on a tight budget or even if you're not and you just want to know where your money is going keep track of it like i've always had kind of excel spreadsheets or there's great apps that you can um, use to categorize things for your uh, phone or to download your tablet so just so you know what you're spending money on and then at the end of the month you can also see what you could maybe do better what you could do differently the next month if you have gone a little bit over budget so i think that's definitely something that's helped me out a lot throughout the years at uni to just know where my money is going and how much is coming in how much is going out yeah so i think that's fantastic advice there and I think that would be my key advice as well is to make sure that you're keeping a budget and then reflecting on that budget on a monthly basis so actually looking at your bank statements I think that that can sound like really obvious advice but a lot of people just don't um, so sitting down with your bank statement every month and actually tallying up how much you're spending on different things and cross-checking that against your budget and then making changes the, the, the future months so I think I, I referenced already either making changes to your lifestyle or making changes to the budget so actually you know I'm spending this amount on coffee but I'm really enjoying that time that I'm spending and I don't think it's too much but it does mean I'm going to have to cut down in other areas um, and and hopefully by doing that it'll allow you to identify any issues in advance and come and speak to somebody if you can see actually I think my electricity bill is going to come in next month and based on my budget I'm not going to have enough to cover it I'm going to need some help here you know what can I do or what can I change the other thing is to have mobile banking um, an app for mobile banking most UK banks have got a mobile banking app and it'll allow you to keep track of your spend it'll send you alerts when payments are made on your your card so if you know something happens that you don't expect you'll be able to pick it up really quickly um, 
you know, so that you can identify issues. But also a lot of banks now offer really fantastic advice and services that will tally up how much you're spending in different things and say, you've spent X amount of money in Tesco or one of the big supermarkets this month. You know, is that what you expected to spend? Does that surprise you? Um, so it does a little bit of the legwork for you. There's a lot of really great technology available now. Just keeping an eye on deals. We've got a lot of really great information on our website. So just looking at the website, looking at the hints and tips and the things that we recommend that students look at and just be really wary of loans and credit cards anything any money that's going to cost you money effectively um so anything with interest associated with it we would always recommend only looking at these types of things if you know you're going to be able to pay them off in full very quickly or relatively quickly because it won't work out um, as, a, as a good option longer term if you end up paying more um, particularly when you look at the cost of something if you've borrowed money to buy something it may end up costing you twice as much as it would have costed if you'd saved the money for it um, so that's always just like a really sensible piece of advice that we would give but you know ultimately enjoy the student experience you know there's as Michaela has already highlighted it's manageable on a budget there's lots of different ways to save money and enjoy yourself without spending a fortune um, so just budget for those fun times budget for you know those kind of big big nights out or blowouts that you want to enjoy um, and cut back in other areas because it's it's definitely doable. It's it's a really easy thing to do if you take the time to actually sit and look at your budget. Yeah, and I want to share one tip that I sort of one technique that I developed over the years. I actually ended up having two current accounts, and one was my sort of bills and things I have to have to you know survive account, and that's where my wages would go in. And then I had a fun account where I only put in money that I actually had left over. So it never got to the end of the month and I didn't have enough for rent because that was locked away in a different account. And if I, you know, had my, my fun account, um, which was running low on cash, I just knew I couldn't do more because I wouldn't be able to spend um, that much money because it would have to come out of my utilities. So I think maybe for some people visualizing it like that and actually having it separated might also be quite a good way to just make sure you are never in a bad, bad situation where you can't afford your basic living expenses. I think that's a great advice um, about having multiple bank accounts for different purposes. One thing that we see really often in students in financial hardship is that they have too many bank accounts actually and they're moving really small amounts of money between lots of different bank accounts and in some way I think that they hope that the money will multiply between them so it's just labeling these bank accounts you know usually your your banks will allow you to actually put a name on your different bank accounts it's just having those different ones but I think that's a really great piece of advice to have different sources of income going into different places and knowing where that money is going to go um, when you're looking at your budget. So with that, um, we will wrap it up today. Thank you so much to Gemma and Vera for joining us. Um, it was really lovely chatting to you both. And as we've said throughout, if you have any concerns either before or during your degree, or you know, if you want to just be really prepared, um, the student support team are here for you and will be able to give you advice on you know anything that you might need. Um, they have loads of different events throughout the year that they run. So if you don't want to necessarily attend a one-to-one, -one, that is also 
not necessary. You know, they will be um, doing presentations and different um, sort of events during the year. We will link some of these resources in our show notes. So if you do have any um, further questions or you would like to research some more, do have a link in our show notes. And join us again next week uh, for another very interesting episode of our Ask Aberdeen podcast. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Ask Aberdeen podcast. If you would like to suggest a topic we should cover, please email us at ukteam at abdn.ac.uk. We would love to hear from you. To be alerted about new episodes, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.